let's go ahead and launch into our sermon this morning. We are working on the uh, series called Better Together, and we are looking at the one another passages. And if you've been following along for the last few months or so, you know that we spent some time in the book of Nehemiah talking about how do we rebuild the church and how do we rebuild this community of faith. And I think that's very relevant as we are starting to move forward, as we're starting to move I'm almost afraid to say it out loud, as we're starting to move out of this pandemic, we need to look at not only rebuilding our church, but how are we going to treat one another as we're rebuilding the church? How do we make sure that we don't just get numbers back together, but we get this tight-knit, close church family that we all desire back together? And I think we took a big step in that today. As you noticed, uh, the crepe paper is gone. You can sit wherever you want again. You can sit in your favorite pews. Uh, we're worshiping without masks. I get to see your smiling faces this morning, which is fantastic. We even got to see some of our members that we have not seen in a very long time this morning, which has been fantastic. So thank you so much for being here as we're going to launch into our next part of our One Another series. Today's topic is going to be submit to one another. So I'm just going to throw this up there right up front, and that's that the messenger requests that he not be shot. This idea of submission is a tricky one, and, and, and I can tell by the look on some of your faces you're going, oh boy, this should be fun. Um, and I've wrestled with this one a lot over the past week or so, and I've lost a little sleep over this one, because this is a challenging one, I think, for a lot of us, is this idea of submission and what that means and what that looks like in a Christian family, spirit-filled home. So we're going to unpack this together this morning, and again, I'm asking that you not throw anything, that you not, uh, you know, don't shoot the messenger, um, but we're going to look at what Paul had to say from the book of Ephesians. So the big idea... The big idea is that if we can't learn to submit to one another, how can we learn to submit to God? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk a little bit about what submitting looks like, but we're also going to spend some time talking about what submitting doesn't look like, because I think that that's equally as important as we look at this passage. So Ephesians chapter 5, actually, it's I'm not sure what happened when I sent the slides over, but we should have Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 21. So we're actually going to back up, and it says that we should submit to one another. Now, Ephesians 5, 21 is one that often gets left out of the mix. It's one that we often tend to forget because we want to jump right in here into Ephesians 5, 22, where it says, wives, submit yourselves. So we want to jump right in there, but, but it's really important that we look at Verse 21, which again, I apologize, I'm not sure why it's not on the screen, but Ephesians 5.21, which says that we should submit to one another. Now, it's really important that we don't miss that. It doesn't just say that that's a one-way street. It doesn't just say husbands or wives. It says that we as Christians, and this is talking to all believers, need to submit to one another. And I don't want you to miss that because that's a very important piece of the puzzle here. But let's go ahead and pick up in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, where it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. So here, here's that verse, right, that, that can give a lot of people anxiety, that verse 22, where it says, Wives, submit to your husbands right? It's even hard for me because that's a, that's a challenging verse. That's a very tough verse to struggle with because we look at this idea of submit and what that actually means. 
But I want to I challenge you to think of it in a different way. I want you to challenge you to think of it not so much as submission, so to speak, but, but look at it from the context of why you would want to submit to your husband. Now, this idea of submission, when you look at this, it's kind of a hierarchy type thing is what, is what Paul is trying to lay out here. And if you look at pretty much everything in your life, there is some form of hierarchy in pretty much anything that you want to look at. The military, of course, comes to mind immediately, right? You have different ranks in the military. Even at your job, whatever your nine to five job is, right? You, you probably have a boss and your boss has a boss and your boss's boss has a boss and you get the idea. And that creates some form of order and it creates some form of structure. And that's exactly what Paul's attempting to do is he's attempting to create structure in the Christian household. This idea of submit can be challenging. So let's talk a little bit about what submit does not mean. Because sadly, this is one of the most abused verses in Scripture. Because see, what's happened is, is guys have latched on to this verse to mean, look, wife, you have to do whatever I tell you to. It says, look, wife, you have to answer to my beck and call. It says, look, wife, the Bible says you have to do X, Y, Z. And it gives us this ego thing, right? Where guys say, that's right, I'm the head of the household and the wife has to submit to me. She has to do what I say. That's not exactly what Paul's trying to say. And keep in mind, he's saying to submit to your husbands just as Christ was the head of the church. So there you can take the ego part right out of it, right? Because wives are not submitting to their husbands because of who their husbands are, but yet because of who Christ is. They're submitting to their husbands because this is what Christ has asked them to do. Not because their husband is some wonderful, fantastic person that should be put on a pedestal. And maybe they are, and that's great. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Christ setting up this structure. And when you submit or when you serve your husband, right? When you love your husband, when you do nice things for your husband, then you're pleasing to Christ. Just like he's talking about the church. And the church being the bride of Christ. Let's go ahead and look at verse 24. And in verse 24, we read, now, <coughs> now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. And here again, we see the why that we should submit. It's not because of them, it's because of Christ. I, I, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of submission. Because this verse and this is, this is sad but true, has often been used to justify things like physical abuse, has been used to justify verbal abuse. So let's talk about what submit does not mean. It does not mean that you can treat your wife like garbage. It does not mean that you can physically abuse your wife. It does not mean that you can verbally abuse your wife. That is not what the scripture is saying. This is not a license to treat them however you want or however you see fit. Because remember, we're talking about as the church loves Christ and as Christ loves the church. We also have to remember who the authority is. The authority is God. So if we do anything to another person, nevertheless our spouse, that does not go along with God's plan for us or, or God's structure that he has in our life, 
or God's law, sorry, not plan, his law for us, then we're not following Christ's example. And what I want to look at when we look at that is we see these first few verses, right? And, and these verses were aimed at the ladies, right? So a couple verses here, three verses aimed at the ladies. Well, guys, this won't come as a big surprise, I don't think. It takes a lot more verses to tell us guys how we should treat our wives, right? Some of you women are going, that makes sense, because I have to tell my husband things over and over and over and over again, right? Whereas women get it on the first try. But he spends a lot more time unpacking how we, right, we, as in husbands, should treat our wives. Because here's the thing, like everything else in the Bible, it's a cause and effect type of a thing. If you want your wife or your spouse to submit to you or to serve you, then there's a responsibility that has to take place on your end as well. And that's what we want to look at next, in verse, starting in verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Husbands, love your wives. You'll see as we, as we, as we finish up this, this portion of Ephesians, you'll see that love word used over and over and over again. And I love that that's the first thing that Paul says when he turns his attention to the guys, right? When he turns his attention away from the guys, the first thing he says is, you've got to love her. And he uses the example of the church because we know that Christ loved the church to the point of being willing to die for it. When we look at acts of submission, when we look at this idea of a spirit-filled home, we look at the way that Christ behaved while he was on earth. We look at some of the things that Christ did, right? Because we're to follow the example of Christ. Now, don't misread that. We can never be Christ. We can never be the Son of God. We can never be that perfect example. However, Christ showed acts of submission. And one of those key acts of submission that we find is when he washed his disciples' feet. And I'm not going to take the time to read that, just again for time purposes. But you guys all know the story, right? They're meeting for the Last Supper. This is his last time to bring his followers, to bring his disciples together, to share a meal together. And Jesus washed their feet. This would have been something that a servant would have done, or a slave would have done, or someone who was kind of the, the lowest in the hierarchy of the home would have done, would have been in charge of washing the feet. Because remember, we didn't have paved roads, right? We didn't have sidewalks. We didn't have shoes. They're walking around in the dust and the dirt and the heat. So they would wash their feet. Christ washed the feet of his disciples. He washed the feet of his disciples, including who? Including Judas, who was the one that was going to betray him, who was the one that was going to give him up. He washed their feet. He submitted to them. Even though technically, if you wanted to look at this hierarchy idea, right, Christ would have been ahead of the disciples. But see, he flips the script as he often did. He acted counterculturally as he often did. And he lowered himself. He submitted himself to his disciples, to his followers. 
That was a act of submission, but we know that the greatest act of submission is when he submitted to the will of his Father. When he submitted to go to the cross to die for our sins. He could have stopped it. He had the power to stop it. He could have called down 10,000 angels who could have saved him from the cross. But he didn't. He submitted to the will of the Father. He submitted to the higher plan. Submission is a powerful, powerful thing. Let's go ahead and continue. Again, we're still talking to the guys. In Ephesians 5, 27, it says, And to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It says, In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives. There it is again, guys. There it is again. Husbands ought to love their own wives. And then it says, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. I love that Paul makes this example of our bodies, right? Because we tend to do what? Protect our bodies, right? We try not to, try not to get ourselves injured, right? We try not to get ourselves hurt. Hopefully, we, we try to at least try, in my case, to eat right, right? And we exercise and we take care of ourselves, or at least we try to, because we want to protect our bodies, and, and Paul is saying, look, you should protect your wife just as you would protect your own self. And, you know, this is, this is used a lot in the marriage ceremony, right, where we talk about how they became one flesh. And he's saying, look, you need to love your wife as much as you love yourself. Let's look at verse 29. Verse 29 says, after all, no one had ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does for the church. There we see it again, right? How Christ takes care of his church is how we should take care of our spouses. It says, for we are members of his body. When we move ahead to, to verses 31 and 32, we read, <coughs> For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. It says, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. It's this idea of oneness. See, we get so hung up in the submission idea that we forget that it's all about spirit-filled oneness. And I love that he says, just like Christ is one with the church, because what does that tell us? It tells us that Christ is one with the church and that we should be one with one another as members of the church, as members of the church family. Verse 33 finishes up chapter 5. It says, however, each one of you also must love his wife. There it is again, must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. It's this idea of being a spirit-filled family. And we're going to talk about children here in just a moment. It is Father's Day after all. But it's this idea of being a spirit-filled household and how we treat one another. Because remember, verse 21 says, submit to one another. And then we unpack this idea of how husbands treat their wives and wives treat their husbands. Let's go ahead and move forward to Ephesians chapter 6, 
verse 1 and 2, and this is what Landon uh, did such a great job reading through earlier. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So kids, young adults, we've got to honor our parents. And you say, well, what does that look like? Honoring our parents simply means to be honest with them, to be truthful with them, to be loving with them, to take care of them, and to do whatever we can to honor our fathers and mothers. You know, we have a, we have a special day, right? Two, two of them a year, a Mother's Day and a Father's Day, where, where we really take the time to honor our parents, or at least I hope that we do, or, or maybe the, 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 the fathers and mothers who have been those figures in our lives. And we make them special breakfasts, and we give them gifts, and we try to make the day easy on them, or we take them special places and things like that. That's a great example of what it looks like to honor our mothers and fathers. But just like we don't only get to be Christians on Sundays, we should not only be honoring our mothers and fathers one day a year. And I know that's hard sometimes, right? Because sometimes those are difficult relationships and those are strained relationships. And some of you are even going, yeah, but my parents don't know anything. Well, let me just tell you right now, the older I get, the more I realize how smart my parents really were. Because I can remember as a teenager going, you guys don't know anything. How did you make it this far in life? But now that I'm in my um, <coughs> late, uh, late 40s, and I look back, and I'm a parent myself, I have some amazing children, but I look back and I go, wow, my parents were actually pretty smart. They really knew what they were doing. See, it's easy in the moment to say, nope, pretty smart. Young people, listen to your parents. All right, verses three and four, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. It says, <clears throat> so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So again, he's talking to us, parents. See, we got to bring our kids up to know the Lord. We got to bring our kids up to love Jesus. We got to bring our kids up to want to be Jesus followers. That's our job as a parent. That's our number one job as a parent, is to raise our kids to know the Lord. And sometimes that happens when they're itty-bitty, and sometimes it happens when they're in their 60s or 70s. Right? But we don't give up. We want to try our best to raise up our kids to know the Lord. And hopefully our kids are honoring us as parents. Because, see, again, it goes back to this structure, right, of the way God designed our household to be. It's not a structure of, quote-unquote, authoritative figures. It's a structure where we can all work together to be a family. And we can create a space where our children feel safe and they feel appreciated, right, and they feel encouraged. And they have space to grow in their relationships with Jesus. So what if we took Ephesians 5.21 to heart and we truly submitted to one another? And some of you are going, what's with the picture of the orchestra? <laughs> right? See, I put those in there to make you guys think. 
What happens in an orchestra? If you take these individual parts and these individual instruments in an orchestra and you separate them and you have them play just their part, what happens? It probably sounds okay, but not great. But what happens when they all come together? What happens when they're all on the same page? What happens when they're all working towards a common goal? Then they make beautiful music. They make harmony. And I think that's exactly what Paul is trying to say throughout this passage. Is he's giving us some guidelines to help us find harmony within our families. Harmony within our marriages. We've got to create a peaceful and loving environment at home. And there's many ways that we can do that, right? And it's not always easy. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, everything's always perfect in my house. <laughs> Far from it. I wish I could say that, but I'd be lying to you. But if we follow the scripture and we invite Jesus into our home and we invite Jesus into our marriages, then the closer we get to God, the closer we naturally get together. Because see, I'm here and my wife is here, and God is here. It's a pyramid. And the closer we get to God, naturally, the closer we get to one another. we got to work together. And, and see, this is why that word gets tough, right? That submit word gets really hard. Because that word on the surface doesn't make it feel like we're working together. But see, when wives lovingly want to serve their husbands... And husbands truly love their wives, which Paul said over and over again in those six verses. Then we can do that and we can come together. And when kids are honoring their parents and being honest with their parents. And doing their best, right, to create that harmony. Then we all work together in a home full of joy and encouragement. And isn't that what we all truly want a, a home that's full of peace and joy and encouragement where God is at the head. And everything we do is driving back to that point of God being the head. And, mo and moms and dads, we set the example for our kids. Because guess what? They're always watching you. And even when you think they're not, they're still watching. Husbands, how you treat your wives is going to go a long way towards how your sons are going to treat their wives one day. Husbands, how you treat your wives is telling a story to your daughter of how they should be treated. So if you're not treating your wife right, then you're raising another generation of kids to think, you know what, that's okay. And it's not. Same thing. Wives, your daughters are watching. How you treat your husband is one day how they're going to treat their husband. You've got to set that example of a Christ-loving, spirit filled home where you find oneness because then then your kids are going to go out and they're going to set that example for their kids and their kids are going to set that example for their kids and you get the idea and that's exactly what christ had in mind and we do that by loving as christ loved husbands love your wives wives love your husbands and you can find that oneness and that peace that you've been looking for. We're better together.
We are better together, whether it's with our spouses or whether it's with this church family. Right? We talked about love. I truly hope that we love one another and that we're encouraging one another and that we're praying for one another and that we're submitting to one another. Because I can tell you what, if we've got 200 people in this church that are all going in a different direction, we're not going to get very far. We have leaders of this church, right? That we submit to. They're, they're called our elders. I submit to our elders. We all submit to our elders because we have spirit-filled men of God who want to lead this church. And see, we've got to put our egos aside and we've got to put our own desires aside and we've got to submit to one another to say, look, let's all come together. Let's all work together and let's build the kingdom because that's what we're here for. As we wrap up this morning, maybe you've never had a chance to submit your life to Christ. you got to see a powerful example on the screens before the sermon of what it looks like when you truly submit your life to say, look, I want Jesus Christ to be the head of my life, and I'm going to submit to him in everything that I say and do. Maybe you've never had a chance to be baptized in just a moment, Brandon's going to come down and, and lead us in another song. You have an opportunity to come forward, and we'd love to talk to you more about that and baptize you for the remission of your sins and for the chance to receive the Holy Spirit. Or, or maybe you haven't been submitting to God. Maybe you just haven't. Maybe this pand pandemic has just been really hard for you, and you've kind of just let things go from a spiritual standpoint. What a great opportunity you have this morning to say, God, I don't want to do that anymore, and I want to resubmit my life to you. If we can help you with that, if we can pray with you, if we can talk to you in any way, myself and the elders would love to do that with you. If you would just come forward as we stand together and as we sing. Well, again, thank you so much for being here this morning. Just a brief reminder about our Wednesday night services, and also we are still offering outdoor services, so if you are more comfortable, please feel free to join us and sit in the courtyard as well. Would you please join me as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day, and we thank you for this opportunity that we had to come together as a church family and just spend some time lifting up your name in worship and song and prayer and with another portion of your word. Heavenly Father, we know that, that our relationship, just like any relationship, is a cause and effect relationship. So just help us, as we talked about today, to just love our spouses. Because we know that if we don't have the love that you would command us to have, then this, this relationship, this dynamic in our home doesn't work. So Heavenly Father, if, if that's a message that we need to hear this morning, just help us apply that to our daily lives. Heavenly Father, we just submit ourselves to you over and over and over again, just like you did for us. Heavenly Father, be with us this week and help to just watch over us and protect us. Most of all, Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you were willing to send your son and that he was willing to submit to your plan, that he was willing to go to the cross to die for our sins. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Again, thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful day. Because you're amazing God, you're amazing God, you can bear the weight.
of every heavy heart. You can heal the pain, you can clean the stain, you can turn our tears into songs of praise. You're amazing God, amazing God. Songs of praise surround us, songs of praise surround us. Hear it growing louder, we are growing louder. Songs of praise surround us. Songs of praise surround us. Hear it growing louder. We are growing louder. Cause you're amazing God. You're amazing God. You can bear.